after these messages, we'll be right back. I can't believe I ate that whole thing. Are you in good hands? And now, a word from our sponsors. We're doing it. We're doing it. Feels like a long time. Hey, everybody. Welcome to a Valentine's Day edition of After These Messages. This is, of course, the podcast where we talk about television commercials. We talk about the best ones. We talk about the worst ones. And we talk about the ones where people say weird shit like this. This is no ordinary teddy bear. It's over three feet tall, and it's stuffed with love in Vermont. My name is Andrew Walsh. I'm also stuffed with love in Vermont. And uh, Genevieve Haz is here, too. We're your hosts. Hey, Vive. Hey. Um, first of all, happy Valentine's Day. Happy kiddo. Valentine's Day. Uh, today's theme on the show, what's love got to do with it? Not talking about our relationship, though, <laughs> I hope. Uh, talking about commercials. We're talking about commercials that uh, feature couples that just... I don't know if they had it and it's gone now, the spark. I don't know if they never had it. I don't know if they were forced to get married. Maybe there were some shotgun wedding situations, but w- you know that thing where you're watching a commercial and there's a couple in that commercial and you're just like, why are you a couple? Yeah. What, why is there so much animosity or just like, it's often just like just under simmer, the, just simmering, simmering under resentment. the surface, right? Yeah. yeah so we're going to look at some of those commercials because, you know, we're romantics. Uh, also... And let's just say right here at the top, big thanks to Nick and Rosen for uh, filling in for us last week. It was just an average week in the year of advertising. Of course, we did miss the Super Bowl, or at least most of it, because we were traveling out of the country. So Nick and Rosen uh, took over this podcast and thank them again uh, so much for, for doing that for us. They did a great job. I really yeah, enjoyed listening thank, back. Thank you so much, Nick and Rosen. And I hope that you are good for your sitters, Ad Council. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Did everybody behave? Um, Nick and Rosen uh, crowned, I, I thought this was a good idea. They crowned two of their favorite commercials of, of the whole shebang. Um, and I think they each... Uh, uh, kind of crowned a best in show. Well, now we have official polling numbers that we can compare their picks to. Uh, USA Today for decades now has been doing pretty hardcore polling on what people's favorite uh, Super Bowl ads are. So we'll see how Nick and Rosen kind of stack up to the rest of the country as far as that's concerned. And of course, we have the Ad Council. We'll hear from you guys. We have tons of stuff to get to. First, though, let's do it. Let's figure out what does love have to do with it, V? What's love Alright, we had to we had a deal this week. I came up with the idea for the show, so I said, Can you do the rest? This was kind of a hard one in a weird way because when you suggested this and I thought, Oh yeah, they're like those are commercials that I see all the time where I think who cast these people to be a married couple? Like they seem either they're writing either they're written intentionally to be sniping at each other mm-hmm. or they just seem to have terrible chemistry and to honestly dislike each other and it's like a really weird thing that I think a lot of ads do but the problem with doing research for that is that there's no Google search for that yeah uh, which is now the only way I know how to do research (laughs) did you even try I was just curious like did you even try just typing in commercials with couples with bad chemistry or something like that I'd be curious if we're the only ones who thought of this I nothing popped up on a very cursory search like that I, I started thinking about it in terms of 
products. Like there are types of products that are more likely to be advertised by couples. Um, mm-hmm. And I think the one we'll start with here is the Jake from State Farm ad, which is an ad that's you've been ubiquitous. I don't think it's played anymore, but it, it was on for years. And we've actually talked about it before on this show. I don't. I think this even, was one of your G's a while back. It might have been a G. Yeah, yeah, it's not an ad that I particularly like. And I think the reason I don't like it is essentially the thing we're going to talk about, which is this needlessly like aggressive and and like animosity filled dynamic that this married couple has and i get the joke like she thinks it's a lady that he's on the phone with but it's really you know an up all night customer service yeah so person. let's set it up so he's basically downstairs in the living room all the lights are off presumably his family is sleeping upstairs just some random white guy in, in the suburbs right and he's talking on the phone and he's talking to of course jake from state farm and uh his wife catches his him. wife catches him. Should we just listen to it? And sorry, I kind of cut you off. Well, let's take a listen to it, and then you can complete that thought if that's okay. Yeah, I'm married. Doesn't matter. You do that for me? Really? Yeah, I'd like that. Who are you talking to? Uh, it's Jake from State Farm. Sounds like a really good deal. Jake from State Farm at three in the morning. Who is this? So she grabs the phone away from her husband, of course, and now she's going to find out who's on the other line. Who's this? It's Jake from State Farm. What are you wearing, Jake from State Farm? Uh, khakis. She sounds hideous. Well, she's a guy, so. And of course, reason more people. It really was Jake from State Farm. We see him in his little cubicle, working late. So I guess a good. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that's kind of the customer service angle that they want you to take away from it. Um, I this is off topic, but. I, I know that we've talked about this before because somebody from the Ad Council, and I'm sorry, I'm not remembering who it was, wrote in to tell us that whatever whatever town in the upper Northwest or upper Midwest oh, yeah. where Jake is from, he's a bartender there now, and that actor is a bartender, and that um, his khakis are like on display in the bar. That's right. Somewhere yeah. like Minnesota yeah. or something. I think what bu- bugs me about that, and we don't have to belabor it because I know everyone's sick to death of that commercial, is how uh, what a what a shrew the wife is portrayed as. But on on rewatching it, there it strikes me how like legitimate her complaint is actually, or how like how uh, sort of reasonable her 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 complaint is. The husband is talking to an insurance agent like he's on a sex line. Yes, like anyone would think that. But I mean, there's got to be some, I guess, assumed history with. I don't know if not adultery flirtation because like I, I maybe just this find, husband talks to all customer service people like they're phone sex workers. No, if that's the case, then she would be used to that. Like every time <laughs> he's just kind of like, yeah, tell me more about that Xfinity package. You can uh, <laughs> so he can talk to the remote, huh? Um, sorry, that was creepy. That creeped me out. Um, but like, what to what length would I have to go for you to wake up in the middle of the night? And you hear that I'm on the phone and you assume that I'm talking to, that I'm flirting with someone. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it would be, it would be, it would take a lot for me. I would have to hear something very explicit to assume that it was, it was sexual. They just have such an unpleasant dynamic. And I always wonder, like, I understand that they, that State Farm wanted to set up the joke and the joke was so successful evidently that that commercial ran for years but it's at the expense of this couple having any sort of pleasant dynamic yeah 
Yeah, yeah, it does seem awful, and it seems like uh, I think we're going to see this with a lot of these commercials. It it makes you wonder, like, what's the history there? Yeah. You know, like wh- what what broke? When did it break? Uh, what else you got here? Uh, this is another one that I think I might have talked about it on another show. I've certainly talked about it with you. This is an ad for the Buick Enclave, and Buick's trying to really revive their brand by sort of having people. Um, be surprised that a that a Buick is a luxury car. Which yeah, I just the whole idea of the whole idea. I, the whole idea. I know. Don't get me Gee. started. But this is a a couple in their very nice kitchen, and I want you to pay attention here. This kitchen God, is like a nice kitchen. super right. luxurious, and it's and it's perfectly manicured. There's like a glass bowl of green apples, and everything's just sort of perfectly laid out. Yeah, their their whole like uh, fresh fruit game, by the way, is on point in this fancy, spotless. I will point out kitchen. You got another bowl of lemons and limes. It looks like he's actually just from the still that I'm looking at. The the young ish husband is making a fresh squeezed lemonade from those lemons. It right. looks like so you get some bananas. They seem like they have a really nice life here. And then the the wife looks out her kitchen window and notices that their neighbors, the Garcias, have a new car. Looks like the Garcias got a new car. What'd they get? I don't know. Maybe he got a raise. Good for him. Now the husband's actually even got uh, binoculars. Suddenly, from nowhere, he has binoculars that he's able to spy on the Garcias. Right, and they just, they both look kind of a little bit, almost, would you say, lustful as they're looking at uh, Mr. Garcia getting out of his Yeah, car. Mr. Garcia is, to put it bluntly, a lot handsomer than yeah. than uh, our hero here. Yeah. Good for her. Enclave. I guess I kind of I kind of talked over the main part of that. Do you, here? I'll, I'll just go back. Raise good for him. Good for her. So that's the he says. Uh, the husband says he must have gotten a raise. Husband says good for him. She says good for her. Yeah, and I, this one to me is the just the absolute uh, perfect example of the kind of simmering resentment and unpleasant. Uh, undercurrent that exists in these kinds of ads like whatever is happening in this couple's life it is very bad and I can tell you how I know it is by the expression on this woman's face when she sees the handsome neighbor wave at them it conveys it conveys so much she she's like attracted to the neighbor she's in that moment like super conscious of all of her husband her nerdy looking husband's deficits in comparison to this like more masculine neighbor it's hilarious to me i don't want to fight with you just for the sake of fighting but i will say this one doesn't give me as much i really dislike this commercial because i feel like uh it, it kind of See, it feels a little sexist to me a little bit. Like, good for her. Is it like kind of implying that the women are just like hoping that the I don't even really know what what is what's meant to be implied by good for her, except that like she's got a better husband and life in every way. Yeah, I guess so. The looks on their faces don't they don't linger. The camera doesn't linger on their faces as much as All some right. of these other ones. And it just I'm going to use the like, picture of the woman's face as the like okay. as the cover Im- image this week for all the all the uh, ads in, in the Facebook group. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean she definitely is looking kind of lustful, but like you and maybe we had the same conversation about this exact commercial but like you and I I think it's Valentine's Day if you have anything you want to spring on me I hope you'd at least wait till tomorrow but I think you and I have a pretty strong relationship but we're also pretty open about the fact that there are men in this world who are much more attractive than me and you and I'm pretty comfortable with you being kind of like 
uh, we don't have any neighbors that I that I know of that you have a crush on. But if you were kind of like, oh my god, there's totally. there's Vance. That's different from what I'm talking about here. Yes, I'm I'm happy to tell you who in real life and in celebrity life, you know, I think is like handsome or attractive or whatever. But there's something about the way she says good for her. And then there's this like moment in her face. And I don't know how else to describe it, except it's like extreme dissatisfaction. <laughs> I'm going to watch it one more time. I'll just quietly here. See if I see if I get, get that whiff of it. Yeah. Right there. Where yeah. Like, maybe a little her chin bit. Up. It's a subtle thing. Yeah. But I'm telling you, this actress is nailing it. And whether they told her to do that, whether that was the direction or that's just where how, where she took it, mm-hmm. it went to a very dark <laughs> place. I mean, women in the ad council back me up here. Okay, I love it. Okay, so uh, what's the next one you got? Uh, this is cars.com and it's called Lie Detector. And this was one that was uh, in pretty heavy rotation for a while. So you might have seen it. Um, the premise is a couple goes to buy a car uh, I guess through cars.com, they have a really good no pressure experience. And then the salesperson at the end says, oh, were you helping it, hoping it would be like a more typical high pressure car salesman, uh, car sales uh, kind of experience? We can make that happen for you. And they put the husband in a lie detector, you know, polygraph get up. Uh, that doesn't ring a bell to me. I'm going to watch this possibly for the first time right now with you. Congrats on the new car. Thanks. The dealership reviews on cars.com made it easy, but... We thought it might be a little more tense. You missed the drama. Yeah. Ask him whatever you want. Okay. I think my sister's prettier than me. (laughs) And then the the lights go down during her tense questioning, and then he... He is sweating and gets nervous, and then he rips off all of the the polygraph equipment and says, you know, like laughs and tries to. Yeah, he's close not going to answer that question while he's hooked up to the yeah. polygraph machine. In searching for this ad, because I'd remembered this one, I came across a lot of ads, mostly for like smaller products that you've never heard of. But the lie detector trope, we could have done mm-hmm. a whole show just about commercials that involve lie detectors. What's the one uh, have you ever stopped a train? That's from a Mr. Show <laughs> <laughs> I'll let you guys figure out the rest of that sentence. Um, yeah, she... So, that's a very visual ad. When you start to hear that intense music uh, kick in, we're getting these tighter and tighter shots on first the wife, then the husband, and she's kind of screwing up her face as she's trying to think of, like, what is a... She's got her husband where she's been wanting him for a long time. What's the perfect question to really get the truth out of him? And then, yeah, she almost has this, like, I know my sister. And she does, like, there's something about her visage that, like, you almost... It's actually kind of good acting, but you see the idea come to her. Like, she knows the answer to that question as she's asking it. This one, to me, is... I, the joke is funnier to me, and I think that it's delivered with a lighter touch, and so it doesn't feel as nasty to me as mm-hmm. that Buick Enclave one. I honestly like it gives me the heebie-jeebies. <laughs> Something is very wrong in that house. Um, but this one is more like it's it feels like a like a comedy sketch more than anything else, and and the guy kind of looks like I think it's Bobby Moynihan, which kind of contributes. I oh think. yeah, he does. Is it Bobby Moynihan or does it just look like him? I think it just looks like him. Yeah, although I, I don't think that was him. I, I could, you know, you could tell me I'm wrong. I, I would believe you. I think for a commercial like that, he was already too big. That would be it, distracting. That's an older ad, but yeah? but okay. possibly okay. I don't know. I, I I don't think it's him. Anyway, he looks like Bobby Moynihan. The the wife uh, is an actress that I have seen some other places. She's one of those hates hey, that lady. Um, 
and it's just handled with a slightly lighter touch. But I do think it's interesting that there are these ads that revolve around, we're about to look at another one for 7up here, that revolve around the idea that husbands and wives are fundamentally at war with each Mm -hmm. other. And that that's a thing that most Americans, most married, I will, you know, I will say white, like I think uh, with one exception, all the couples that we're about, that we're going to talk about today are white. That's a an idea and a a, a narrative that like feels very familiar mm-hmm. and and recognizable to people, and that's kind of a bummer, right? And it tends to Happy be very Valentine's suburban, Day. right? Yeah, it's very like kind of like very suburban, white suburban. We have all this stuff, and this is me putting a lot on it, but we have all of this stuff, but we're still not happy, like that kind of. Yeah, that particularly the Buick one is like that. Like I, that's why I made a point of saying mm-hmm. how nice their kitchen is. Yeah. Like, these you can see from their window that they live in a gated community. I mean, they they go to great length to show that this is a luxury item and that only rich people can afford a Buick Enclave. Um, and so, I, I think it really there. I think that like that bakes in a lot of like ennui and suburban dissatisfaction. That's that maybe Buick didn't quite realize they were signing up for. Yeah. Uh, so what's the Seven Up one you just mentioned? So the 7-Up one is from a campaign called Mix It Up. Uh, it features a your kind of generic-looking white couple. Uh, they're at a pool party and just have their... And the, the announcer says, hey, try putting 7-Up in sangria and mix it up. And you might... You know, it'll it'll make your party a little wilder and quickly... And, be, and as they do that, they're transported to like a Burning Man scenario. And the announcer... Like the sangria, is, it's a little bit wild. It's so a little bit wild. So suddenly they're transported to a wild place. Right. And then the announcer, the announcer reveals to the couple that the husband went to this, you know, generic Burning Man or festival or whatever it was without telling his wife. So she she gets pissed off about that. Now, they, now they're transported to 2 Chains, the rapper's yacht. And now the wife's excited because she's sitting on 2 Chains' lap, but the husband's not into it and he wants to get out of there. And he's sitting on the lap of some like just sort of random biker, dude. biker guy. Yeah. Right. So as they're taking sips of 7-Up, which is mixing different drinks, they're transported around, I guess, just the, to these two different scenes. Right. Um, but okay, so let, let's but watch the this and then analyze it. The common theme is that when they're not at their pool party, uh, they have very different wants and needs. Right. Okay, let's take a listen. You know 7-Up goes great with punch, but try mixing it with fresh-cut fruit and sangria. It's the perfect drink for when you go raving in the desert. Like that time you told your wife you were at the regional sales conference. Wait, what? So it's worth noting here, Vives, that um, now we're at, you know, at Burning Man, as we said. He's all Burning man out with feathers and his, his suit's all ripped up, and she's just still in her little cocktail party dress circa 1957 like that she was wearing in the first scene right mm-hmm. conference wait what? what remember last march with steve <laughs> or use it to make a white wine spritzer perfect for hanging out with two chains i love your rap music i have a helicopter <laughs> we should be going you don't like boats i like boats and i love all these seven up mixed drinks seven up mix it up a little hey do you think that announcer liked phil hartman Right, yeah, and I also don't know if I, I know this isn't the point of this critique, but uh, it's a little confusing just as far as a commercial, leaving the couple aside, like, suddenly the announcer is, I know it's supposed to be a little bit weird, but now the announcer is able to respond to what they're saying. I don't like the, I don't like really like it at all. I really like 2 Chains. You can't not like 2 Chains. Also, he's like the only rapper who's my age. <laughs> <laughs> so I like that. And I think he might have a balding issue too. Um, 
but uh, but anyway, yeah. So for you though, this if couple you are two, cha- seems- if two chains of lawyers are listening. Uh, that was Andrew, not me. I mean, and we are sep- we are separately liable. I am going to look up his age and whether or not he has alopecia. But so the um, the couple there. I mean, obviously, the joke is that they're not exactly, I guess, in sync. But it makes you a little uncomfortable. Well, I don't know if it makes me uncomfortable. And I, the ad to me feels like a lot of kind of like a lot of soda ads like Mountain Dew and like any any kind of soda ad that's going for like a quasi extreme vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like soda has to be so extreme now. Yeah. But um, it's it's like that too, right? Like they get two chains. They got this Burning Man set going. Like they just wanted to kind of like make it a visual spectacle. I think the joke is pretty weak. I just think it's interesting, again, like the trope that it relies on is married couples have secrets and conflict and there's always something to be mined mm-hmm. there. Yeah. Uh, sad news to report. Uh, Two Chains is actually 39. He's one year younger than me, almost exactly. Um, and uh, as far as whether or not he's balding, I'm still working on that information uh, now. But I am seeing a lot of tweets that says, Oh my God, two chains, bald head. But I guess he could have just shaved it. Okay, we're never going to get to the bottom of that. There's just no way to do that. Uh, okay, I want, you've been doing all the heavy lifting here, Vives. Um, do you mind if I just throw one in here? Yeah, go for um, it. I know you've seen this commercial. I don't know if you knew before now that I had picked this. You might not even agree with this one, but this is from a series of ads that I think you and I both kind of dislike for WGU right. Washington, which is, I assume, a uh, a for profit college. I believe so. Here, yeah, here in the state, um, I think it's I think it's all distance learning, and I think it's for profit. And the, I guess the kind of spokes critter to use our parlance uh, for this WGU is an owl, and the owl shows up in various scenarios and talks to people about why they should go back to school or or go to school or something like that. In this particular one, I find it just super creepy anyway. I know that you're a bird lover, but I think that anybody would be creeped out if there was a bird in their bedroom when they're trying to sleep. And that's exactly what's happening here. There's a husband on his... (laughs) Genevieve's like, "Eh, I don't know. Depends if it's an interesting bird or not. I mean, owls are super interesting. Owls are interesting. But in this scenario, the husband is just kind of laying on his side. Just you You don't even see him at first. Um in a you know in a king size bed or whatever the wife is sitting up in bed and there is an owl perched at the foot of the bed talking directly to her i don't know going back to school just seems impossible allison what's the real issue here that is the owl that you hear there it's too much money and there's not enough time that's why wgu reinvented higher education you can move through courses faster and graduate for half the cost. And you can see in the background that the husband is just kind of sleeping through all of this. But the husband's about to, I, she's about to wake him up and he is going to be irritated by this whole conversation with a bird. Really? Honey, just listen to the bird. Oh my God. See, to me, there is so much under the... I, I'm just turning it down there. There is so much simmering under the surface there. The, the husband, as you hear, says, Honey, just listen to the bird. This conversation is keeping him awake. And then he takes the pillow. This is something that I have to do sometimes, too. But he takes the pillow and he puts, puts it over his head to block out the sound, which is a practical thing. I don't think the very act of doing that is necessarily aggressive or passive-aggressive. But 
in this case, he like kind of like angrily puts the pillow over his head and he's like, just listen to the bird. Like he doesn't care about his wife's education at all. He just wants this to be over so he can go back to sleep. I think by the same token that you just don't see the woman's expression like micro expression in the buick ad I, I i just read this differently for one thing my read on the bird is that the bird is representing her subconscious or her internal monologue and mm. so yes i know that the the husband acknowledges it that it's a bird that he can hear it and he's you know putting mm-hmm. he's trying to block out the sound but but my read and my my sort of interpretation of his body language and what he says to her is stop debating with yourself you know you want to go back to school. It's actually supportive. He's giving huh. her a supportive message. He just wants her to kind of stop. He wants her to get off the fence. And he's not saying, you know, oh, we can't afford it. Or, you, you know, you've got a lot on your plate. Or what about the kids? Or like, do you really think you, you should go back to school at 40 or whatever? He's saying, listen to the bird. Go back to school. Don't you think, though, that there's a way, if that's really the vibe they're trying to give, like that he could look over at her instead of like turning over so that he's turning away from her kind of angrily and putting the pillow over his head. He could look at her and he could say, honey, listen to the bird. Yeah. And maybe gesture towards the bird and be like, we're all on the same page here. I'm here for you. This does not seem like a supportive husband to me. I think that it could have been done in a more supportive way and that they were going for a little bit of a joke with him putting the like, like being annoyed by the noise and stuff mm-hmm. but I, I it was it doesn't read to me as hostile it just reads to me as like practical just listen to the bird Ugh, he's so done with it well maybe she's been up a lot you know <laughs> having this conversation with an owl no i mean i understand but again if that's the case i feel like um he should be also maybe looking into some other ways he could support her like mental Mental health help. Uh, okay, you have one more on your list, and then we'll uh, we'll check in on those Super Bowl winners. I do. Now, this is from a campaign that Burger King has been running where they have couples of all kinds of descriptions. So often it'll be two friends or, or brother and sister, or just a people who are in pairs um, trying different uh, items on their menu and kind of reviewing them to each other, in essence, and talking about what a great deal they are. Uh, so this is a, a young couple, African-American couple, uh, and they are sitting trying the new jalapeno fries. Jalapeno chicken fries make our relationship hot. It's got this great crunch. So crunchy. And there's just Juicy. so... Oh. Are you talking about the chicken fry? Jalapeno chicken fries. The crispy chicken fries you love now with a zesty Wait. jalapeno kick. So, Only a Burger King. Uh, what, what, just, what just happened, Genevieve? I, it's a little confusing. I mean... It is confusing. The, the, <laughs> the man starts kind of meditating on this jalapeno chicken fry and talking about it in a somewhat sexual way or sort of, you know, Ew. yeah, like hot and juicy. And then the woman who's kind of trying to continue on with her review of the chicken fries gets annoyed with him for having some sort of, I don't know, desire, desires on the chicken fries. This is confusing. I got to say, I'm not saying I would like it if they did this because I, I hate this kind of shit, but that joke would make sense if if it was like one of those fiat ads or something where he, it looks like he's looking at the fry, but then it's revealed that he's looking out the window at some sexy Italian woman getting out of her sports car or something like that, and he's saying some like, you know implied grossness or something but in this case no he's just sitting in a fast food restaurant and he's just still talking about the juicy i'm gonna watch can i only because i didn't watch this before why would i i want to watch this again jalapeno chicken fries make our relationship hot it's got this great crunch so crunchy and there's just juicy. so oh. 
So, I mean, it starts off okay. And the, I like the... Although, I, does I actually, it, it makes a relationship hot? How is that an yeah, accurate description of an a food item? I guess what I like is that they're both kind of talking at the same time. And it's, it's almost kind of interesting that they're not waiting for everybody, for each other to finish They're both sentences. very cute. And they're both very cute. But then, yeah, so then things go off the rails. And there's just so, oh. Are you talking about the chicken fry? It just doesn't make sense. That nah, doesn't make a lot of sense, but clearly they have issues. Yeah, they clearly have issues. All right. Oh, well, happy Valentine's Day, everybody. Um, I guess. Sorry, love is dead. Yeah, love is dead. All right. Let's check out some commercials in the news. Commercials in the news. All right, let's talk about these uh, Super Bowl commercials. I know I've, I'm feeling like, you know, the Super Bowl has like one or two, the, all the ads, they have like one or two weeks of buildup before the Super Bowl, and it's such a big deal. And then, uh, and then of course, you have the Super Bowl itself, and then all, we're two weeks out now. I understand. People might be kind of done with it, but let's just, let's just go to the numbers here quickly. If you'll recall, Nick and Rosen crowned their uh, Best in Show ads, their favorite ads individually from the Super Bowl. Nick's pick was the Melissa McCarthy Kia ad where Melissa McCarthy is cast as some sort of eco-warrior going around trying to save the whale, save the earth, save the ice caps, but it's just like a lot of physical humor. I'm not a fan of this ad, by the no, way. No, I think... A lot of people love it. I love Melissa McCarthy. I think she is uh, just a delight to watch her react to things. Um, it Actually, if you haven't seen the movie Spy that she's in, it's it was kind of underrated. I think it kind of kind of a sleeper kind of didn't get a ton of didn't do it super well at the box office um it's actually really funny and uh the ads were bad speaking ads, of ads we need to do a, a thing about movie ads we really do because it's, that it looked like it was all just kind of like because she's jokes. a very physical comedian but they were all just looked like chris farley-esque fat jokes and you watched the movie and you said that's not it's really not not that there's never any i mean there is physical comedy but it's not at her expense or at the expense of her character. And it's really a pretty good send up of like a, you know, a, J- a Jason Bourne kind of movie. Um, but anyway, um, she plays, she does something in that movie and in these commercials that I think she does uniquely well. And that is just um, such a hallmark of her great performances where she's really trying to be game even though she, like her better judgment is telling her like don't do this, mm-hmm. and you really see it in the part where she's done a couple of things that she's gone after, gone to save the whales, she's gone to save uh, the the trees, she's yeah, gone to save or something, right? Yeah. yeah, she's gone to save the um, uh, the ice caps, and then they tell her now the rhinos need you, and you just see on her face for a second she goes. Okay, the rhinos. Like right. she's just trying to be. She knows that she's she, basically dead. It's she knows basically it's a, a bad sentence. idea. Yeah. She knows she knows what she's in for. But like, damn it, she's signed up and she's gonna give it her all. And she just does that in such a yeah, great and she's appealing wonderful. way. Yeah, yeah. That it, her performance for me saves it because completely. Here's what I, here's what my quick analysis. I said I wasn't gonna get too much into this, but one thing that Nick and Rosen said, uh, I thought was a great overriding or I should say overarching observation. Um, and it was almost a thesis that I think Nick came up with, which was that the commercials of this year's Super Bowl were very kind of global mm-hmm. um, in their nature, not global brands, but like issue oriented sort of. Right. And you had, uh, you know, immigration was in there. Again, you can debate whether or not it was really a reaction to Trump or politics or whatever, but there was like all these kind of bigger issues that were being kind of addressed in these commercials. 
The thing about the Melissa McCarthy one, I understand why it's probably a good commercial as far as an effective commercial. Um, if you are somebody who is more conservative, you can laugh at the goofy activist protester. If you're somebody who's uh, more on the left, um, first of all, you probably love her anyway for some of her like Saturday Night Live stuff. Uh, and also, you can maybe identify with this idea of you being a, 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 an eco-warrior. So they cut it right down the middle so that everybody can enjoy this, yet it still fits that theme of just kind of global consciousness. So I understand, and, and, and they actually end up tying it all together to the product. They check all those boxes that you and I say are important when you're putting together an ad, but you end up with, for me, something that just was kind of like, no, just like a lame skit, sort of. That doesn't seem laugh out loud funny. That moment where she has that look on her face, absolutely. It's a, it's a quick little moment, but I'm also not into physical comedy, I guess. Yeah, it, it, to me it was good, but it was also good in what I think was ultimately not a super awesome year for yeah. for commercials. Um, that that uh, you made that point about, and Nick and Rosen made the point about their everything being kind of issue and global in nature. Um, and there's a somebody on our Facebook page, and I was just trying to look to see who who said it, but somebody posted. Um, a pretty funny SNL sketch with Alec Baldwin where there some ad ad companies are, are pitching Cheetos and one ad company is pitching them on very basic like people enjoy Cheetos and the mom's like Cheetos and then uh, Alec Baldwin and his partner are pitching these ideas that are have nothing to do with Cheetos but are just like super heavy on the issues of the day like a Muslim immigrant uh, <laughs> you know stands mutely before the camera Hard cut to Cheetos. So this was like a this was in the latest uh, SNL. So it's kind of a reaction to the Super Bowl. Yeah, I think so. I'm not sure which one it it aired on, but um, yeah, it's it's on our Facebook. All page. right, I'll I'll check that out later. Um, so Nick's pick for uh, best in show was Melissa McCarthy Kia, um, and Rosen picked the Spuds McKenzie. I was very surprised that that ended up being her pick because. Uh, Nick and Rosen are a bit younger than us, maybe like 10 years or something like that. So Spuds McKenzie was a big thing for me growing up. And in hearing Rosen describe it, like, I, I'm not sure and I can't speak for her, but it really seemed like the idea of Spuds McKenzie was kind of a, if not foreign, a new concept to her. Something that, like, kind of like the, the you and I missed the Groucho Marx connection right. to the Vlasic Stork a little bit. Like, it's just so obvious to people who grew up in a certain time. And for us, we had to kind of like, it's more historical. And for me, Spuds McKenzie, while I've never been some huge fan of that campaign. It was such a big part of our just, childhood yeah. commercial landscape. And I, I'm i sure Rosen knows that intellectually. Yeah, that's but, what I mean. But yeah. there's definitely an age gap there. And I wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me if her just kind of um, visceral experience and familiarity with that character is different from ours, right? And that's kind of what I'm going for. Not that, not that she can't uh, have her own reaction to a commercial that maybe uh, was a little bit before her time. Anyway, in this new Spuds McKenzie uh, commercial, they actually instead of just being like a, a regular dog who's wearing like a, <laughs> a, a what do you call them, a hula shirt? What would you call it? Like a Hawaiian a, a, a shirt. Hawaiian shirt. Um, it was actually like a because the real Spuds McKenzie didn't talk or anything. He was just a dog who hung out at parties with humans. Yeah, we were. I was trying to remember what I knew about Spuds McKenzie, and I just remember him on being on a surfboard a lot. Yeah, he was on a surfboard, or he would just be sitting in a beach chair with a bunch of humans like partying around him, and he was wearing shades, which was pretty cool. Well, in the new ad, as most of you probably know, they uh, decide to kind of make him. Uh, he's like, what did, what did Nick call him? A sp an un an uneasy specter or something like that. It's like the ghost of Spuds McKenzie, and he can talk. 
talk now and he's uh, taking this guy around and he's talking to him and it seemed like I was kind of glad they brought back Spuds it seemed like a weird way to bring him back because they brought him back in a way that didn't really do a lot of nodding to the original. Yeah, it was very much. It was much more like you know um, a Christmas Carol. Yeah, that was what they were doing. The ghost of parties past and what have you. And it was just weird. Like not only is he he's a ghost and he's talking now and he's kind of talking like a normal guy. Like it was just the thing. I thought it was kind of odd. Uh, But that was Rosen's pick. Rosen uh, liked that one. I think because well. Dogs and sunglasses. I mean, you got to give it points for that. Um, and now we get to the polling numbers. If you don't know about it, USA Today's, uh, they do something called the Ad Meter. They've been doing this since 1989. Uh, and they poll, uh, you know, a lot of people. This year they polled 15,000 people. That's a big sample size. Um, and they make sure that everybody watches every single Super Bowl commercial. You don't just write in and write about the yeah, one that off the top of your head. Like it's pretty they they make everybody who participates watch every single ad and then you give each ad I think a grade, a number grade, and they figure out the first place through fifth or whatever as far as everybody's favorites. The number one, the first place winner for this year's ad meter from USA Today was Melissa McCarthy Kia. Nick nailed it. Nick nailed it. Second place, the Honda Celebrity Yearbook ad, which I watched after listening to the show. I actually liked that one. You went back and watched it too, right? I did, yeah. I mean, it's it's a bunch of comedians and, and celebrities that you generally like. Yeah. So And it, it's a little uncanny valley and taking these old still photos and making them talk. But, but it's cleverly made. It's cleverly made. And it's, I have it, to tell you. It holds up, I think. I won't remember next year that that was even for a car, much less Honda. Good call. Um, then the uh, Audi commercial uh, with the little girl in the, in the uh, soapbox derby came in third place. Three cars. Top three were cars. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. And then the immigrant story, Budweiser, fourth place. I thought that would be higher up. Uh, I think that maybe that just suffered from being too, I don't know, cloying. I wonder if it got a little overexposed. Yeah, that's true, too. And then um, the fifth place was the the Terry Bradshaw Tide commercial, which I don't know if Nick and Rosen talked about this. I don't think they did. Talk about an interesting concept, my friends. So um, Terry Bradshaw, of course, is uh, there as an announcer for the game, and they show him. And uh, oh God, who's his buddy? I don't remember. It's uh, he's also the daytime talk show host. It's not Michael Strahan. It's not Strahan. No. Oh, I thought I thought those were the guys it's who were the other black guy. Andrew. Oh no, <laughs> I'm racist. Um, I also don't know football players very well. In my defense, uh, anyway. So it's Terry Bradshaw, and it's before the commercial even airs. You see that Terry Bradshaw just has a stain on his white shirt, and it's pretty obvious, but it's not acknowledged at all. And so people go to social media and start mocking him on social media just like the ad wizards knew they would do. People are like, how people are taking screen caps, they're like, how is how are they letting Terry on TV with this stain? Like, did anybody else catch that stain? Everybody thinks they're so goddamn clever because they caught something that was a mistake and or a wardrobe malfunction of a different type. And then in the next commercial break, there's a Tide commercial, and you see it starts with Terry Bradshaw, his partner, saying to him, dude, you got to do something about that uh, 
stain on your shirt and they really kind of almost break the fourth wall sort of terry runs off and has this whole adventure um and then he ends up at the house of somebody who is not watching the super bowl who does his uh, laundry for him uh before he races back to finish the game and of course uh why am i blanking on the act uh jeffrey tambor uh, G- jeffrey tambor is the i think this was non- it's- so brilliant this should have been the number one I think Except so too that, because it's more than just an ad. It's a it's an experience. It's an, it's a, they knew that by having him do that, the internet would blow up, and yeah. then a big part of the commercial when they actually get to it is I'm trending. I'm trending yes. because of this stain, and he really was trending. And I they've think got some good brilliant. cameos. You know, Gronk's in there with his torn yes, off shirt. That's right. It's really well done. It would, it was kind of hard to do because it really does like it's. You know, at one point they show him racing across the football field and it really is uh, the Patriots playing the Falcons. Like, it's like they do such an amazing job of mixing real with fake. Now, I think this was such a a triumph. I really think this is a triumph and I don't know why it's so low on the list. I know that I didn't see them all, but like of all the Super Bowl ads uh, and kind of, uh, I guess, campaigns that I did watch, that would be pretty high for me. Uh, I also just and like and talk about one that you'll never forget what the product was. for. Yes. Yes. Great tie in. And I also just happen to really like the Kristen Schaal uh, Fifty Shades of T-Mobile ads as well. I do like those. I really enjoy her performance. Um, I I tend to agree that it's confusing, like which company she's you're talking. Yes, left yes. Thinking it, about Nick and Rosen were right yeah. about that. Yeah, I just enjoyed it. I just enjoy Kristen. Oh Scholl. sure. Okay, let's check in with the ad council. Enough. Let's let's put it. Let's let's be done with Super yes. Bowl ads for this year. And done. <laughs> Everybody's talking at me. I don't hear what they're saying. Only the echoes of my mind. All right, Veeves, what do we got? It's been a couple of weeks since we've done a real good ad council. So what's uh, what's in the mailbag? Well, uh, we've heard from listener Levi. And if you recall, Andrew, we talked about a, an ad for a product called Grammarly that I took great issue with because oh I felt God. like it was... It's a product that's basically like spell and grammar check, um, and it seemed to rely on the idea that millennials uh, get social media manager jobs but can't don't have basic spelling and writing skills. Um, This is from listener Levi, who writes, Uh. "Oh my God, you guys! I figured out the fix for that Grammarly ad." A rising young Republican star nabs a hot internship in the Trump White House. It practically writes itself. Of course. And, that this has been a bad weekend for typos. And he links to a, an article in the Washington Post about all of the typos that are coming out of the Trump administration, including a typo on the inaugural print that was being sold, I believe, in the Library of Congress. And I think it's one of those spelling errors that our millennial friend in that it's ad actually makes. precisely made. the kind. <laughs> the, the quote is, it's a picture of, uh, of the commander-in-chief um, standing there with a Big shit-eating grin, and the quote is, No dream is too big. No challenge is too great. Nothing we want for the future is beyond our reach. But it says, No challenge is too great. T-O great. Uh, not T-O-O great. And, of course, this uh, this was, I think, this news broke just like a day after the uh, the Secretary of Education, Betsy DeVos, under either, was it her or was it just the um, Education Department Twitter feed? I think it was just the, had, the department feed. Oh, uh, spelled W.B. Du Bois wrong, I believe. Yeah, they spelled it D.E. Bois instead of D.U. Bois. And then they apologized for it and they spelled apology wrong. Yep. It's just like, I yeah, mean, that would be, honestly, like they... 
If somebody had some balls, they should do it. What's the worst that could happen to them? Well, I mean, I, I mean, guess I get, could, uh, Trump would send the military after them. I guess. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, I just don't, don't know if that product is really aimed at like, uh, I don't know. By I'll, I'll tell lightly you, lightly teasing, they would get earned media out the yin yang. Yes. They need to... Oh, man. So who was that? Levi who said Lister that? Mr. Levi, good on you. Yes. Good call. Absolutely. Totally all right. agree. Um, all right. Next up from listener Patricia. Um, I, Patricia, I just want to tell you, you and I must be sharing a brain because I had exactly the same reaction to this. She writes, I'm loving the new Harry's ad. Folksy, but not corny. Or yes, corny, but very charming. I said to you, I was watching Hulu the other day, yeah. and this came on. This is an origin story about the creators of Harry's, which is that like male... You know, weekly send you a new razor mm-hmm. blade company, and I said how moving and what a fantastic origin story I thought it was, and how I think it tells the story of the product and it makes the the use case and the value proposition for the product in such a good and compelling way. So why don't you, it's a little bit long. Yeah, why gonna, don't you give it a play? Because I think the narration does a lot of the work here. Do you mind if I in Insert one thing. I have not seen this ad. I'm looking forward to seeing it. And you did. You yelled from the other room, oh, my God, this Harry's origin story ad is great. And uh, for TBTL, the other podcast, Harry's is a sometimes sponsor of that show. So I've done live reads for him. And I'll tell you what, uh, they are, even in those, like the copy we get emphasizes the origin story Mm -hmm. a little bit. Probably not as much as this. I couldn't really spell it for you. But I know that they're very big on, it was this, you know, guys or guy who two guys sick of paying out the paying out the ear for their um uh for their stupid blades and then so they bought like an old uh i guess factory in germany these were things that you could tell the company was very proud of yeah well, and they wanted really, us to like talk about yeah too, well they so. really spelled it out in a great way here and and it's beautifully shot as well it sort of looks like there's almost a, a wes anderson quality to the mm. um to the footage or to the filming um, but i think that the the narration tells you a lot of the story this is the story of Harry's. This is Jeff and Andy, the two hairless youths who will one day grow up, develop facial hair, and get tired of paying too much for razor blades. Why do razors cost so much? There's no real good reason. Actually, Jeff, there is a reason. One big razor company has relentlessly increased prices for decades, making insane profits. So Jeff and Andy decided to start their own shaving company. Jeff and Andy's parents were proud. Did we conceive Andy to take on big razor? Oh, hell yes. There's a big difference between good and bad razors, and there was only one way to ensure quality. We bought a factory. They bought my factory. They bought Fine Technic, a 95-year-old German factory. It's pretty loud! Now they can make their own exceptional razors, and by taking less profit and selling directly to you over the internet, Harry's can offer their blades at half the price. This made Big Razor nervous. They threatened to sue our pants off. Good thing Jeff and Andy have plenty of pants. I'm Jeff. I'm Andy. And this is Harry's. Meet the shaving company. Great ad. shaving. This ad has it all. Yeah. I hate to sound like Stefan, but this ad, this ad has everything. <laughs> Let me tell you, what you can't see is there's like moving topography. The Im- It's very, did you see like the Wes Anderson quality? Oh, absolutely. It's very it. I mean, Wes it's Anderson. almost inspired yeah. by Wes yeah. Anderson. It, visually, um, it's compelling and beautiful. Uh, and there's a lot of moving topography. You could almost get the story. You really could get the story with no audio. You can also get the story with no visuals. Yeah. And yet together they make a hole that's greater than some of their parts. I was left going like, why don't we, why don't I get Harry's razors? Mm-hmm. Like I hate big razor. Suddenly I hate big razor. That is one thing that I don't know. Has Harry's really uh, made an effort to kind of be inclusive to women? Like I, they must Not have really. a line, but they never, they, I've never seen a pitch to women. Uh, yeah. I don't know if they have a line of, uh, of razors that are maybe, uh, frankly, I think it's a myth more. that they need to be different. 
Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, oh, yeah, I mean, that's the whole thing of even no matter what razors you're talking about, like what they sell now with 17 different blades. Don't get me wrong. There is a comforts thing. I'm sure we nick ourselves much less now than my grandpa did. Absolutely. But yeah, no, I mean, they're they're always just building a better mousetrap. And mm-hmm. so if they can differentiate razors between men and women and, and talk about the how the curves are different, of course, they'll do that. But um one very quick, small, weird thing that stood out to me and that, that I can't help but to mention is it's interesting that uh, they're interviewing the two founders who are very young guys, uh, and then you uh, hear from their parents, and their parents are being interviewed via Skype, and there's even a quick little glitch in the Skype. Obviously, they don't need to do that no. to save money on this commercial. This seems like a pretty high-budget commercial. They went it's to Germany and, and met the German factory Yeah, guy. exactly. But it just it's just like a small thing that adds texture, I guess. Yep. So it's not all the same shots, but also... It, it signals. It signals. We're an internet company. That's right. Get, get your things online. I just think that it's a, there's a lot of even, smart little fast I didn't even notice that, but I think it's 100% true. Okay. Anyway, yeah, that's really good. Thank you, you Patricia. Right. Yeah. You are 100% right. Total chi. All right, last piece of feed of uh, ad council feedback. This is from listener Michael, um, and he writes: Does anyone else think this commercial is weird? Do they have a bet? How was the race started? Was the rover next to the glider when it was released from a tow plane? Is the point that a vehicle with a few hundred horsepower is faster than one with no mo- no motor? What am I talking about? <laughs> I was about to say. I hope this all comes together. <laughs> He's talking about uh, a Range Rover uh, commercial where okay. we just see a Range Rover uh, driving down a you know curvy mountain road somewhere, and there's a glide. Innovative. Right, exactly, like every other GD car commercial on the face of the earth. And sort of, and it's one of those ones that's like on the side of a mountain, mm-hmm. kind of up high, mm-hmm. and gliding along next to it is a glider, right? Okay. Like, a, you know, the kind of like big winged plane that doesn't have a motor, it's just a, a gliding plane. Mm-hmm. So the premise of the commercial and the reason I'm explaining it all is that I don't think there's very much audio is that um, the the Range Rover is like driving down this windy path that it drives into a tunnel at one point, but the glider is racing it. Okay. But at the very end, we see the glider glide to a halt in a field and who's waiting for him? The Range Rover. The Range Rover won. And so back to Michael's questions. Why are they doing this? Did they have a bet? Who started this race? Was the rover next to the glider when it was released from a tow plane? Oh, right. Yeah. Like, how did you even start the race, basically? Yeah, it makes no sense. It's a total, like, it seems like a kind of a interesting, and it's visually stunning, as you oh, would expect. Yeah. I mean, oh, it is really beautiful. You know what? Glider, I was picturing like a... What what are the things that you hang from like in the eighties? Oh, 80s, a hang were, glider. I thought it was a hang glider. No, it's like one of those beautiful, like white, very very long winged, yeah, uh, gliders. Yeah, it almost has a well. This with that music, it has a James Bond sort of feel to it. Slightly, and so they, then they show the glider pilot roll up, and the Range Rover guy looks at his watch, and they like share a laugh, like our oh. rich guy hobbies are so fun. Um, so I agree with you. Michael, and I actually hadn't seen that one, but I've seen another one in this campaign, um, which I had a similar reaction to, which was like, what are they even doing? Like, who would even do this? So this is another one where there's not a lot of audio, so I'll just explain it. Um, But can you just hit play on it? Because I can't remember what the... Yeah. So this is somebody in a Range Rover, uh, and it's called Range Rover Sport versus the Inferno Downhill Ski Path or whatever, and it's like... 4,000 feet up and he's driving this Range Rover down sort of a snow-covered mountain but it's 
like on a carved out road. Like they've carved away. The, he's not driving on snow. Yeah. He's just driving down a very rough terrained mountain, and he makes it and he lives. The Range Rover Sport. And in that case, I thought he was going to be racing. Somebody. He's not even racing anybody. He's just like racing the mountain. Who won? I guess the Range Rover. <laughs> but I agree with you, Michael. I think like what is the point of these? Like, I also just find in general car campaigns and pitches that are based around like i mean i guess some people are buying vehicles that they're like i've got to take i I gotta i mean we have friends who go mountain biking every other week and i assume they need a car that can make it to somewhere that they can Mm -hmm. take their bikes to but even they even our most outdoorsy friends are driving to somewhere and then biking off road right you know like so i just find this idea that like Maybe again, like I will never be able to afford a Range Rover. Somebody, if you are a Range Rover, if you're in the demographic that can buy a Range Rover, please write in. Is this a compelling pitch? Mm-hmm. Like these crazy scenarios that, like, you're racing gliders, you're driving down from like Olympic ski like heights. Like, I just don't really get the. Is it just make? Does it make rich people feel like they're adventurous? It's interesting. So. This can you just do a quick thought experiment with me uh, before we get out of here? Let's try to list all the different types of approaches to auto commercials. Okay, because this one is I'm thinking. Well, this is a long-standing trope, right? It mm-hmm. is machine versus nature. It's car versus nature. That's a huge one. The other ones you have are safety. That's right. one of the biggest ones right now. You also have um, kind of uh, identity, kind of personal identity, and just basically style. Right. I'm talking about like, you know, the, I mentioned before that the sexy commercials for Fiat or what does it say about you as a person? Yeah. And I think uh, like Audi's really kind of been, been hammering. I mean, you know, each company probably does different campaigns that touch on different ones mm-hmm. of these, but like Audi has been very high on like, the style of their cars and the craftsmanship of their right. cars. Right. I would almost put craftsmanship in another one. That's like the the elegance of craftsmanship ones that we would see, like the ball bearing mm-hmm. curvature ads of then the Then there's like 80s reliability and, and affordability. Uh, yes. And then for like more low, low yes. price cars. And maybe this is getting too close to safety, but I mean, I guess we can't. We can't ignore the kind of Subaru family, the idea of family. Now, well, that's I, often tied in with safety, I think it's though. tied in with yeah, safety. Yeah, okay. So, but those seem to be it, right? Like, those are those are the things that so far With a million variations. With. Right. You know, sub-variations. But yeah, those are probably the big categories. What does it say about you? You know, okay. I don't mm-hmm. have to relist them. I just thought, that, yeah, that there's... They're kind of locked in that. I wonder if there's, an, if there's another approach that people are just not... There's got to be, right? I don't know. And we got to get some uh, ad wizards on it. Yeah, I guess. Or, or, I thought you're supposed to be the ad doctor. Get the ad doctor in here. Doctor, doctor, what should I do? Can I tell, tell you? Me. Somebody called our voicemail, and I, I really doctor, hesitated doctor, over whether to play it. Somebody called our voicemail, and all they, all that they left on it was. A very upsetting rendition of this song that they <laughs> more, sang. Oh, more upsetting than the original. More upsetting than the original. So thanks for that, ad counselor. Mm-hmm. Okay, I promise you I did not bring that up just to play that song. I actually was going to hit the outro music, and then I just saw it sitting there, and it was just too perfect. Okay, for realsies, let's get out of here. You can sell anything. You can sell anything. It's gonna be in my head now. You all day. 
can I do? All right, Veeves. Uh, that was fun. Glad to be back in the saddle. Uh, Absolutely. Again, thanks again to Nick and Rosen for filling in while we were out. Um, and thanks again to all you guys for listening. Just a reminder, we do have a one of the most, I'm going to say, the most fun places on the internet these days is the uh, After These Messages Facebook group. Yeah, if you are not join. on that tip, you should get on it because it is super fun. And there's uh, a lot of great and funny discussion uh, happening there much funnier than we are most yeah. of the time um, so the Facebook group has eclipsed the podcast at this point you can uh, find that just look for after these messages show uh, also email us after these messages show at gmail.com and uh, you can call our voicemail line I like it when you sing I want to go back I want to listen to that right. I want to listen to that maybe we'll play it next week you guys you can sing to us you can put your kids on the line you can tell us what your favorite or least favorite ad is you know what Maybe you're just drunk at a bar and feeling a little bit lonely on Valentine's Day. Give us a ring! 607-444-5597. Again, 607-444-5597. Happy Valentine's Day, kiddo. Happy Valentine's Day. All right, talk to you guys next week. I burn headband, my eyes all droopy. I've gooey foodie, zoobies in my poopy. They all like, well, heems, you too proud. I'm like, you would be too if you had the juice now. Hey, yo, the government is lies, son. United States of Google, Verizon.